and welcome back to the STEM Corner podcast. My name is Oindri Chatterjee, and my interest in STEM sparked from a three-day workshop held by Semi Hightech U, where I gained exposure to semiconductors, chip manufacturing, logic gates, and the effect social media has on the world. Semi's program is what inspired me to start programming and join robotics at my high school. Now, I want to use my inquisitiveness to learn about the different fields in STEM and share my journey with like-minded people like you who want to feel inspired and motivated. Welcome to another episode of the STEM Corner podcast. In today's episode, we are going to hear from another talented woman that has dedicated her career towards students and their education through STEM. She actually works at SEMI and is an inspiration for us all, and I am so excited for this episode. Sherry Liss, welcome, and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me join. I'm excited to join and talk about our work. So Sherry, tell us about your day-to-day life as an executive director at SEMI. Yeah, so as you said, I'm the executive director for the SEMI Foundation. And honestly, there's no one day-to-day to point to when you're an executive director. Every day is very different. And actually, it's one of the things that I really love about my job. It's never boring. <laughs> there's always new things to learn and try. Uh, but I guess, you know, in a typical day, you know, the first thing I always do is I start early. I always start early, make sure there's no fires, yeah. run through emails, look at messages, make sure there's nothing I need to jump into that's not already on my schedule. So that's kind mm-hmm. of a starting point. Um, you know, I manage a team that I adore and love working with. So that's always a big part of my work and day, making sure everybody's okay, making sure we have what we need from each other to be successful. Um, a lot of my job is forging partnerships and relationships. So I spend a ton of time, you know, digging into those who needs attention, <laughs> who needs work <laughs> from us, who needs reporting from us, who do we need to engage with and sort of lay out my days based on that. And honestly, as the executive director through a pandemic for the last two years, most of my life is Zoom and Teams meetings. <laughs> um, so every day there's usually I would say upwards of 10 meetings a day that I have to jump into at some point, looking at different partnerships, different team members, different areas of the company, um, different programs, different you know external partners. So it's kind of, as I said, never dull and always very different, but right. it's exciting work. Yeah, the pandemic definitely changed everything, right? With the sure. all online meetings and stuff. Yeah. Yes. And that Zoom fatigue is real. I think that's, you know, <laughs> Uh, we just we were just talking about this before we launched the podcast today, but you know we had Semicon West last week for the first time, and in over in in more than two years, two and a half years, we had our first big in-person event, and it was so exciting to be with people in person again, and it's such a different dynamic than seeing them on screen, um, but it was it was nice to have that piece after, you know, 19 months or whatever it's been of purely Zoom <laughs> and video meetings, <laughs> right. And what is the culture like at SEMI and has it evolved to become more diverse and inclusive over the years? Yeah, so my tenure with SEMI, I've been here for about two and a half years now. So 
from a culture perspective, I was in the office for just a handful of months before the pandemic hit. Um, mm. I think overall, Semi has a really nice team feel generally. And we also acknowledge that we have a lot of work to do on the diversity, equity, and inclusion front. Mm -hmm. um, we are embracing it internally because we also want to be a leader in this space for our member companies as well. But you know, I would be lying to say that we have it all figured out. <laughs> so yes, we're making strides. We're trying to do more diverse hiring. We're looking at culture, building culture of inclusion. We're looking at retention studies and learnings. And actually the foundation recently launched diversity, equity and inclusion roadmap and toolkit in support of our member companies. And that is really to help guide members on their DEI journeys too. So, you know, I think we are getting better at it at SEMI, but the industry in general has struggles in this and SEMI is just one <laughs> more company that has the same challenges. And then through a pandemic, you know, it's it's been an interesting journey for sure. Um, we have tried to stay very connected, I think, across the culture of our company, even in this virtual reality. And we are global, so we've always had some elements of that, but this, is, this has been a tricky time to navigate all of that work. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just so glad that not only Semi, but also other companies are trying to add more inclusivity and diversity into their working environments, their working environments. And yeah, it was pretty powerful at West, but I feel like workforce development and diversity, equity, inclusion really took um, the front stage this year. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody was talking about those two pieces as being so critical as we move the industry and grow the industry and move it forward. You know, we had on the main stage, we had conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I was even able to highlight workforce development and DEI uh, in a keynote at ChemiCon West, which is exciting. Tim Archer led a conversation on diversity, equity, and inclusion at West. Every side conversation was about DEI and workforce. Um, I think the industry is, is poised and ready to acknowledge that this is a need that we need to be doing a better job at. You know, and I think that's a really exciting place to be. Exactly. And before we learn a bit more about your inspiring journey into STEM, what are your hobbies outside of work? <laughs> <laughs> My hobbies. Uh, Oh my gosh, to keep my mind calm. I think this role is, is challenging and big. Um, I tend to work out quite a bit. <laughs> so I feel like that's that's one of my biggest hobbies. Uh, I, I put in a couple of hours of exercise quite early, probably starting around 5 a.m. every day. Oh, wow. Um, it's what I love. I run and I, I bike, mm -hmm. I cycle and um, I lift. And it is kind of what keeps me grounded. There's that. And then I'm also a mom to a really beautiful mm -hmm. and amazing 11-year-old son, and he is, I wouldn't call him a hobby, but he is um, <laughs> critically important to my, to my world. Uh, getting him off to school and making sure he's safe and happy is everything. Um, and then I also play music, so uh, another focus for me, play piano, write music. Oh, uh, wow. So oh, you write my, music, too. I do. Oh, cool. Uh, yes, I'm a math geek, and I feel like math and music often go hand in hand. Math and music. And, yeah, nice. so those are my, those are sort of my, my things that I love to do when I'm not working. Just curious, how do you like implement the math in music? Like <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's implementation. I, I think, 
I know a lot of mathematicians that also are musicians. And I think there's something about the way our brains work. And I don't know exactly what it is. It's something I always dreamed about studying. I'm sure there's plenty of studies huh. done in that yeah. area. <laughs> um, but it is, it's been a passion of mine forever. And I think there's something about being able to write music, um, hear it in your head and be able to play it and things mm -hmm. like that. It's some sort of mathematical trick that my mind can do. <laughs> It's like the, the it's very technical response to your question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a really interesting response. Yeah, the music, the math and the music. That was unexpected, uh, yeah. but very cool. Yeah. I mean, I just I feel like there's so many there's there's always this overlap. I don't know why. It's also juggling in mathematicians is a whole other thing we could talk about, but we shouldn't go down that path. But I think <laughs> I, I do I have seen them go hand in hand quite a bit. And okay. I mean, there's something to be said about the way that the mind works um, in those two arenas. Yeah, definitely. And are there any habits that you follow that have led to your success? Oh my gosh. Um I do think that for me, the pattern that I follow it during each day is helpful. So I think making sure that I get some um, workouts in, making sure that I feel grounded when I start my day are really helpful, especially if I'm looking at a pretty stress, stressful day ahead of me. Mm -hmm. um, I also tend to make a ton of lists. And I think that's been really beneficial to track when you're running a global organization and you're trying to figure out all the things that have to happen at any given moment and manage all the pieces. I feel like lists also ground all of that. And then I still do this really old school thing of taking notes during every meeting. Um, and people think I'm nuts, but I have notebooks and notebooks filled with handwritten notes. And what I tend to do is write everything down during, during meetings so I don't forget anything. And then at night I transfer to the computer and I think it solidifies um, what I do. And those are some of the habits just to sort of keep me grounded in all of this work. you know. And then I often reflect on the day. And I do that with my son too. Like, what was good about today? I think that helps too. <laughs> what was challenging and what was good? And, and uh, it keeps, it sort of keeps it all real. Yeah, like keeping a log of yourself. Yes. Yes. Just to help me <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what exactly drew you to the STEM field? Like, was there a certain moment in time where you knew that you wanted to pursue a career in STEM? That is a great question. Um, if I'm being 100% honest, when I was in third grade, <laughs> I started tutoring other kids in math. Um, it was so, I loved it so much, even as a kid. And then, you know, in high school, I took all the AP classes and I was so into it. I just loved it so much. And when I got to college, I had so many credits already in mathematics that <laughs> it was sort of like a natural next step mm -hmm. to continue to study math. And then um, when I did my graduate work, that sort of just folded in. It was just always my passion all the way through. Mm -hmm. I always thought I'd be an educator. I always thought I'd teach math. I loved doing that. I was, you know, tutoring at an early age, helping kids throughout high school. I was a TA in college, you mm -hmm. know, led the TA stuff in, in my graduate work always assumed I'd be a professor, which I did get to do for, for a time. Um, and then I stumbled on this idea that you could integrate um, industry and education, industry and STEM. And it's such a need. There's, there's a disconnect between what our education system and what, what our education system teaches and what industry needs. And yeah. so I love this sort of middle ground. And 
so I took my passion in math and STEM in general and my mm -hmm. kind of curiosity in those fields and bridged it into the industry world and then looked at how I could get others to do that bridge. And that's always been the focus of my work. Mm -hmm. So I was a fire that was lit really early on. And then wow. it just followed me through my whole, <laughs> my whole life. And I've, I've done workforce development in ways that integrate industry and education my entire career. Wow. I love that. I love that place. Yeah. How did you make that transition though from, from math into? From math into everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of didn't know how to end the sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really interesting journey. So I, oh my gosh. So I finished all the schooling um, mm -hmm. and I was naturally into just teaching, not just, that's a terrible thing to say. I love education and educators are the powerhouse of everything, right. but I went into teaching first and being an educator first and really did love being with students. Um, and I love teaching math. I still do it sometimes mm -hmm. just for fun. Um, and then in the height of like the boom out here in Silicon Valley, I got the first one. Um, I got <laughs> recruited into coding because I was a mathematician oh. and everybody was like, she could code. <laughs> um, I had never really touched a computer. This was back in, gosh, 2000. Now I'm just dating myself. Um, <laughs> but I went from being a teacher and they offered me this job coding for a startup oh, wow. out here. Yeah. And the money was crazy and the whole idea <laughs> was nuts. And I was like, California sounds great. I was in New York at the time. <laughs> and um, I mm -hmm. did it. And I sat at a computer and I became an engineer. Wow. And it yeah. was not for me. I mean, it didn't drive <laughs> the same passion. You know, like right. I could do it. I learned it. Um, and I did it and I was successful at it, but my, my passion really still was with the education side in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found at the time I stumbled on a nonprofit that was called industry initiatives for science and math education, which was ISNI for short that some people in the Valley might recognize. Uh, and they did this, this integration of, um, education and industry, and they actually provide fellowships to educators in the corporate setting so that STEM teachers can see the applications of what they teach. And I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> so I applied for a job with them, got it, and ended up spending almost 20 years at ISME, which became Ignited, wow. ended up being the CEO there for a long time. Um, wow, <laughs> that's and really loved. Wow. I mean, I didn't start there. I, I yeah, was there yeah. for a long time and I, uh -huh. I moved into that role eventually. <laughs> um, yeah. And I still partner with them quite a bit. I love the work that, that we did there and, and that is still going on with that org. Mm -hmm. you know, and then followed it into Semi. Semi contacted me and they said, don't you want to do this globally? Don't you oh, want to yeah? impact workforce and STEM education globally? And who says no to that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I moved here and at, at the Semi Amazing. Still get to do that work. Yeah, just a question. How was being the CEO of Ignited? Mm -hmm. How was that? How was that experience? Oh my gosh. Um, awesome and terrifying, I think. Um, <laughs> If I'm being honest, I don't know how many people would admit that out loud, but I think um, <laughs> there's there's a difference between being on a team and then leading a team, right? There's 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 a lot less sleep, I think, <laughs> when you're in the CEO role or in the executive director role as I am now. I think right. when people re rely on you to raise the funding, rely on you to build projects and programs that are going to resonate um, mm -hmm. with not only funders, but with companies and with partners, you know, the, the level of uh, responsibility and, um, you know, and making sure that everything is okay and everything works is really big. And it's amazing and exciting because you're the leader and you get to 
lead initiatives and make decisions about what should happen. Mm -hmm. um, of course, in partnership with your teams, but you feel, you kind of feel the weight of that, I think. Um, but it is an incredibly beautiful and powerful role as well, because you can really impact and make a difference in lives. And so when I saw Ignited grow or when I was able to get new partners or help new schools or new teachers or students, that was incredible. And I think bringing that into the executive director role at the Semi Foundation mm -hmm. and the ability to impact even on a much grander scale, it's, it's such an awesome role to own and have. And I feel really grateful that I have this opportunity to do what I do. Um, I really do love the actual work I get to do. You know, we're, we're building image and awareness campaigns for the industry. We're building an apprenticeship model for the industry. We're mm -hmm. building new content and curriculum for K-12. We're partnering with universities. I mean, like, it's a very exciting opportunity to impact. And I love that part of my role. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds amazing and super inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and some days overwhelming too. I mean, that's just the truth, right? right? You, you want to do everything right. You want, you want to create, well, at least in my view, you want to create good in the world. You want to have a really powerful impact. You want to affect diverse communities. You want gender and racial equity and parity in the semiconductor industry. I mean, I want all of that to happen. So right. it's not a light lift, but it's an awesome one. Yeah, definitely. And what skills have you found like vital or more, most important towards the jobs that you've held? What skills? Yeah. I mean, they could oh be goodness. both. They could be like both technical skills, or they could be like soft skills, like anything. I was gonna say, I think in the in the bulk of my roles, it's really I, I hate the words soft skills. I mean, everybody refers to them that <laughs> because I feel like they're the most powerful skills to have. Yeah. But honestly, I think working in teams, I think building partnerships, I think being a problem solver, creative thinker, all of those pieces have been so critical. Mm -hmm in building who I am and they're not all immediate. I mean, I've learned so I've learned so much over my career and I have certainly made tons of mistakes and anybody who says they haven't is lying. <laughs> you know, there's there's lots of learning that goes on in all of that, but right. I think those skills, I mean, people joke around that my superpower is working with other people and that I mean, I thrive on that and I love that. Um, you know, but I think that's so critical to success to to being able to to partner and, and embrace people from every walk of life and to enjoy working with other humans is probably a really big part of my success, you know? And then of course, mm -hmm. the other reality is budgeting, right? And numbers and, mm -hmm. and being able to track all the pieces and, you know, um, and also now in this career, it's, it's understanding more about the technical side of the, the industry, you know, and, and mm -hmm. having some sense of that. And if you're gonna build an apprenticeship model, knowing the pieces that need to be put into that model to make it successful. Um, yeah. We're looking at the roles that really most need to be filled. I mean, there's all of those pieces too, but more broadly, I think problem solving, um, flexibility, <laughs> partnership development, all of those pieces are so critically important to success. What's your favorite like partnership that you've done? <laughs> favorite partnership? Oh my gosh. That's, I can't, I can't just single out one. Yeah. That's not going to work. <laughs> You can, you can do this multiple. Be <laughs> I'm just curious oh because you're saying that you seem to be like really passionate about like talking to new people, communicating with them and forming partnerships. So I was just yes. curious. Oh my or, gosh. There's so many good things that have happened along the way. Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's a network I was part of in my last role called 100K and 10. 
-hmm. that was an Obama initiative to raise 100,000 STEM educators, um, to bring 100,000 STEM educators into the system over the course of 10 years. Um, and Ignited at the time was one of the founding members alongside 100K and 10, this amazing team. And, and being able to partner with folks nationally that care about STEM education was really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, in my current work, you know, we're working closely with the Department of Commerce. And that to me is, is mind blowing and awesome. Like just to think that the federal government is plugging into this need from a workforce development and DEI perspective. And those are incredible. Um, but then, you know, the day-to-day -day, working with so many companies, I couldn't possibly pick out just a few, but, um, you know, being able to work with the foundations within our member companies, being able to partner on workforce and DEI with so many brilliant people. I have a workforce development and DEI advisory council in this role that, that all comes from member companies. And it's this brilliant, passionate, amazing group of people that I just feel so grateful to work with all the time. So there's so many, there's so many different pieces. Right, right. And it's a very important part of the role for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And being an executive director, like with the high position you hold, it seems to be very difficult to do. So um, who has been your greatest support in your career so far and why? Oh my gosh. That's a good question too. <laughs> Who's been the greatest support? I have so many mentors along the way. Yeah, I think all the way through, um, there have been so many folks who I would view as mentors in my life um, that have supported and guided my work, like from college all the way through. And I guess one of the first people that jumps to my mind is a school administrator who, she was the deputy superintendent at the time. Um, mm -hmm. Her name's actually Dr. Joyce Baines. She was a brilliant, amazing educator. Um, and I was a young, brand new teacher. Um, and she... <laughs> came to me and after maybe a year of me being in the classroom and being terrified, like, am I doing everything right? Are the kids happy? Are they being successful? You know, all of those questions that you ask when you're a new teacher. And she saw something in me and she came to me and asked me to lead a cohort of a ton of other educators within the system. And she said I had this quality, this leadership quality that she hadn't seen. And she was so excited to pull me into that. And I thought she was nuts at the time because <laughs> I was still Ow. so new and learning. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was young and I, you know, I was afraid of, uh, in, you know, of, of trying to lead people that had more experience, I think, in the field than I did. So I think part of what happened for me and, and what I would suggest for others is to get over sort of your own insecurities around all of this. And we all carry them. The imposter syndrome is real and huge, you know, even for me in this role still. <laughs> um, and sometimes we have to look at it and sort of push it aside and recognize that what we bring could be really powerful. So Please. she was the first inspiration of that for me. She was the first person who said, no, you should do this. And I did, and I listened to her and I did it and I was successful at it. And it kind of launched me into a string of opportunities that made me sort of take the leap <laughs> and believe that I could do these roles and these jobs that I don't know that I would have thought I could, you know? And there are people along all throughout my career that done that did that for me. My old board president, um, Kurt Krukenberg, who will mm -hmm. probably laugh at me for mentioning him in this, but um, <laughs> he is is also a, a guide in all of this. When Ignited asked me to take over as CEO, I mm -hmm. am I ready to do that? And he was said, "Of course you are." Um, and so <laughs> I think there are people that push you along the way and help guide that that for you. And you have to hear those voices 
um, because as humans, we tend to question our own abilities at times. Exactly. I feel like the people around you can help you take those like big risks and then become successful because when you're by yourself, sometimes I doubt myself a lot. So definitely having my mentors guide me and say, no, you can do it. (laughs) That really helps. Yes, absolutely. And it's so important to find those people, um, to believe in those people, to pursue folks that you really want support from. I mean, I think that's another thing that I learned along the way to ask for help, to ask for support when you really need it is so important. And then to listen to folks who've had experiences that you have not is really has been, you know, life-changing for me throughout my career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And moving on, what has been your proudest accomplishment so far? It could be um, in your entire like career journey, or it could be as an executive director. Oh my gosh, my (laughs) proudest accomplishment so far. Maybe we can do both. (laughs) (laughs) One overall and then one. My my overall proudest is probably uh, having an 11 year old beautiful child who's happy and (laughs) and brilliant and awesome and still likes me. Um, And maybe in two years, you could ask my question and I won't say that. (laughs) He'll become a teenager. No, he's amazing. That's probably my, my biggest gift and I don't even know Mm -hmm. if you can call it an accomplishment but he's amazing oh yeah from a work perspective you know I think I think taking this organization in particular the Mm Semi Foundation from something that was fabulous but very focused um HTU High Tech U is a program that is beautiful and awesome and has run for a very long time Mm -hmm. and being asked to come in and really broaden the impact and broaden the reach of the work and building the foundation that has, you know, a dozen initiatives that are making a difference in workforce development and really making a difference now in diversity, equity, and inclusion is something I'm incredibly proud of. And right. I can't often believe what we're taking on and what we're trying to build and what we have already accomplished. And that to me is, is a real mm-hmm. amazing accomplishment of my career so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the semi-high-tech use program definitely inspired me because I'm right here now having my own podcast, helping semi out to volunteering for them. And I really enjoy it as well. So I hope- It's awesome that you're doing it. And I'm so glad you went through the program and Mm -hmm. found such value in it. And it is incredible. We just wanted to make it bigger. (laughs) You know, we wanted to reach more kids. Right. And add some other pieces, you know, and, and I really- yeah, I think it's great work. I love being involved in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And conversely, what has been one of your most challenging experiences as an executive director? Or like, yeah, what's most difficult for you? Oh my gosh. I think the most challenging thing when you're a leader is separating personal from professional. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a no or when you don't get funding or it often feels like you have personally failed. And I think that a lot of leaders struggle with that, that separation, um, that, that you as an individual and you as a leader of an organization are different. <laughs> and so, you know, if, if your programs don't fit somebody's funding stream, that's not about you personally. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges I've faced in my roles over the years is, is always being able to separate. and and to not take the nose so personally. And that, mm-hmm. I, I'm still learning that lesson. How have you been able to manage that? Have you- <laughs> Work in progress, I think. Um, 
I think it's the reminder. I think, you know, what I do now is reflect on the good a lot. I found that I need to do that. And, um, and also, you know, work with my team to remind each of us that the work we're doing is really valued and really important by a lot of people. And mm -hmm. um, I think it is focusing on the yeses and, and trying to let the no's slide by. But mm -hmm. I say that much easier than it is sometimes. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, um, there's a lot of, of overthinking and, you know, disappointment in, in roles like this too, because you always want to see everything succeed. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's not an easy, it's not easy to straddle those two pieces, but it's something I'm working on. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of your hopes for the future of SEMI? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, to build this really powerful set of programs and initiatives for the industry that not only help with the workforce development issue, but really diversify the pipeline of folks that are in our industry. I really hope that we can, through our work, showcase the kinds of opportunities that this field offers, that we can build programs that create alternative pathways into careers in this industry, and that we move away from requiring PhDs and three masters to be successful, that we, that we, we kind of walk the walk we say, that we say we want to do as an industry. And I hope that I can help build initiatives that do that, you know, that we, that we pull in underrepresented folks into our industry and, and create successful careers and career paths. That sounds, that sounds amazing. That is my yeah. goal. Um, right. That's what keeps me up at night. What did I just say? Ignore the nose, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep pushing. <laughs> Yeah. And what has been more valuable in your career? Would you say it's your education or your experience? Oh, my gosh. That's tough to answer because, honestly, my education got me started, right? So it, it put me on this path that I've been on. Mm -hmm. But honestly, when I look back now, I mean, I'm 30 years into my career, almost 30 years into my career now. You know, the experiences are everything. You know, you learn everything every day and without that you know mm -hmm. gosh I mean you need both right so the education and everything I went through in school and all the learning that I did and the math background and the stem intrigue and all of that certainly landed me my first few roles and then as you grow up in your career you learn that each experience is going to be valuable you know each mentorship each partnership um, each team member, everybody starts adding to that equation, and and that's what builds you into who you become. I think as a as exactly a, as a leader or or an employee, no matter where you land. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. And what is one piece of advice you would give to others that want to pursue or are currently studying something in STEM? I think the most important thing is to believe in yourself. I think the most critical thing is to know that you belong in any career that feels like the right fit for you. And so what I always say to folks is ignore the voices in your head, ignore the, the stuff that trickles in, the voices external to you. Um, as women especially, um, you know, we belong in this field and STEM is critically important in our our diversity of thought is so needed. And mm -hmm. so it really is about believing that you're in this world for a reason and that you wanna make a difference. And so, 
Yeah, my biggest piece of advice, believe that you're in the right thing. Believe that you're pursuing the right thing. Continue your studies. Find something that feels good to you. Find something that you're passionate about and marry that um, in your work. And I think yeah. that's an amazing place to be. Yeah, wonderful. So Sherry, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. And I learned so much more about Semi than what I was first aware of when I initially participated in Semi High Tech U's workshop back in 2019. Oh my gosh, it's been like two years. <laughs> It's yeah. amazing. And thank you so much for taking the time with me. It's really fun chatting with you. Exactly. About this. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And to all the listeners out there, I really appreciate the support. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to the STEM Corner and drop a review. Thank you. And I'll see you next time.